0: Says, having born, being born into the world as human beings, we have to choose. We could say our road in life, which way we want to travel in our life, which direction we want to take, because there are many directions we can take. We have many choices, and the Buddha described that because of the effects of karma, as human beings, we can. Uh, go to in d- different directions in our lives. We can go, you might say, in a good direction. We can fulfill our potential as human beings and find great happiness as humans. We can even create the causes for um, a heavenly rebirth when we die reborn in heaven. Go in that direction or even go in the direction for uh, towards Nibbana and the end of suffering. Or we can go in other directions, we can go to a direction you could say goes to a, a level lower than a human being, to uh, uh, states of suffering where the mind is very unhappy, uncomfortable, states similar to what we call uh, existences where people are suffering, or beings are suffering, such as animal birth, or ghost birth, or even hell realm births. These are different roads or pathways that we choose to take and the results um, of that decision is karma and it comes back to us. Um, But as human beings we probably all really want to experience happiness and the highest happiness. So we should be thinking then, well how can we achieve that highest happiness? What road should we take? What pathway should we take to achieve real happiness? there's a question about uh, why sometimes we seem to have experience of uh, beings, people who have died but haven't yet gone off and been reborn anywhere still um, seem to be very close uh, in another realm but dead but still very close uh, can come into our experience mental experience maybe in dreams or visions Uh, why is this? and Tanajan says well this um, some people, when they die the, the experience of the mind is a lot of confusion, suffering, and they don't have enough merit, a good karma to be reborn um and so they're left as what we call sampowei, which is one who is waiting for birth, uh, you might say in the common language a ghost and these kind of experiences if we do have them when we encounter these beings that only should reinforce that awareness that of karma and the, the fruits of our actions it will bring results and often if we are unskillful in our actions, in our actions uh, say our actions are coming from we say from darkness or delusion misunderstanding then we can create a lot of suffering for ourselves in the present and in the future and so all the more important when we see this, then to practice mindfulness. Mindfulness sati is the most important quality to help us become more aware of our minds and the states of our minds, whether they're wholesome or unwholesome. And the more we can develop this mindfulness, then the more we can deal with the challenges of life, the different situations we're in, the events, the situations we meet with in our daily life, because these are bringing us. Um, Some are pleasant, some are unpleasant and if we don't have mindfulness then they'll stir our minds up they'll cause different kinds of attachments, cause greed, cause anger, delusion. Um, So we have to train in mindfulness and this is what brings brightness, peace, happiness to our minds. The more we have mindfulness, mindful awareness. Um, When we have no mindfulness it's like the mind is dark. It doesn't know, it doesn't understand things. And he said earlier, I forgot to translate, he said earlier that people, you can divide them into different groups. There's those people who seem to come from darkness but through their good practice, their good efforts, they develop themselves in wholesome, skillful ways and they go to light. Other people, they are, they arrive from light and they carry on going to light. Some people arrive from light and their unskillful actions mean they go to darkness when they die. And that's something we have to reflect on again. We're the owners of our karma and what we do in our lives will affect us now in the present and also in the future where we're going to be reborn and the experience in the future. There was a question about uh, Poppy's friend's house. The family of bought a house, moved in and they keep seeing uh, a ghost. It's the ghost of the former owner because they knew the former owner died in a car crash. They keep seeing him him walking around the house, uh, go out to empty the rubbish in the morning, and he's there at night walking back and forth. The children see him, the parents see him, what should we do? Um, Ajahnar says, well, this is a sign that that being when they die, they still have a lot of attachment for their old house, a home, and their mind is pulled back there. You know when we die it's not just that's the end of everything and it's just the end of all experience if you still have attachments and karma then <coughs> they can pull you and affect what happens to you after death and in this case all that attachment to the house and the perhaps the um suffering in the mind the lack of wholesome karma has pulled them to the to be still connected there in that. uh so the way to deal with this is to spread metta, have thoughts of metta. When we do chanting, meditation, we can share the merits of our good deeds when we do dana, we share it with them. He said also spread holy water, she has holy water, sprinkle that around and just keep practicing metta and wishing that being well and that any, any good energy that comes from that can help them to calm down and maybe they'll, they'll be more happy, more peaceful and go off and be reborn. She said, well, it's taking a long time now, six months, still coming. He said, well, at least you're getting used to the ghosts so <laughs> you can live, live together happily because you're used to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I tell, I tell, it would be the same thing if someone is in that hell state, alive in depression, wanting to attend to It's the same thing. Because they need mental too, isn't it? You have to understand, when we spread Metta, not only are we wishing other beings well who might be suffering, but we also maintaining our own positive, healthy state of mind. If there's people we live with who are suffering greatly, uh, obviously we can have Metta, wish them well, wish them free from suffering. Um, but we have our first duty is also to keep our own mind free from suffering and not let their suffering affect us. And the way we do that is by contemplating karma and the law of karma, that all beings are the owners of their karma and experiencing the fruits of their karma. And if there's nothing we can do, we help them, we talk to them, they don't listen, they don't take our advice, they don't want to do the right thing. Well, we have to practice e- upeka, equanimity. If they're not ready to be helped, not ready to see the right way, there's nothing we can do, there's no point suffering about it, you just have to excel. Oh, the karma isn't ripe yet, they're not ripe to understand the proper thing, the proper way to go so we have to wait in equanimity doesn't mean to say we're cold and unkind it just means we understand the truth that whatever we do at the moment then it's not going to help they're not ready for help There was a question What, how should we prepare ourselves for the moment of death? And then Ajahn said oh you have to keep your mind in a wholesome state and recollect the good you've done the, all the good you've done the dhana you've done the sila, the precept you've kept and the meditation you've done, the meditation object, the meditation states that you've achieved, you, you recollect them, bring your mind to peace at that moment. Just as this moment, say you are listening to Dhamma, you have come to the monastery to make offerings. Uh, it would normally, most most people would feel very happy and joyful for the doing these things. You recollect that same thing when you are say at the moment of death, you're on your deathbed or in a situation close to death. You recollect the same joy, the same happiness that has come from all the different deeds you've done in your life. Bring them up um, because the important thing is your state of mind. The body you can't stop it. You can't stop it degenerating, getting ill, getting old and dying. So. You have to give it up, don't you? you? Have to accept that truth. Let the body go, but keep your mind wholesome and recollect wholesome things. And don't just sit there. don't just sit there trying to worry about children, business, the dog, the family, the you know all the different things we worry about, are concerned about. That won't help at that time. That will just make our mind worried and afraid. Recollect the good things you've done, and that's that's the purpose of our life is to do good and develop ourselves. So recollect that. Um, and then Poppy went on to talk about a time when she was 13 years old and she was drowning, caught in a underwater, and she thought she was definitely finished, going to die. But then she made a wish that I want to don't want to die because I haven't really done enough to help my parents yet, repay the debt of bringing me into the world and looking after me. I want to stay alive so I can repay my mother, my father and really help them and do something good for them. And just as she was thinking like that, somebody dived into the water, into the canal and actually pulled her out and saved her life. And Tanajana said, yeah, this is correct. You have to really think like this. Life is very uncertain. It's precious. We have a gift that we be born into the world as a human being and it's very uncertain. We don't know how long we'll live. So we shouldn't be careless and heedless and not practice. We should make use of our time while we have it to do good. And one of the most important things, we should be looking after our parents. They've looked after us since we were born, bathed us, fed us, and uh, done all kinds of things for us uh, when we were helpless as kids. Um, we, it's our duty as as good people to look after our parents and try and repay that debt. Look after them, particularly in their old age and develop ourselves in good ways, develop ourselves potential as human beings, in dana, in sila, in meditation. Um, When you think like that, then you really don't want to be careless because you don't know how long you're going to be living in this world. And the Buddha said, one who lives in a careless way doesn't practice the dhamma, then they're like somebody who's died already, even though they have a body, they're physically alive, but the mind is dead because they don't see the value of human life. So, really, you put your effort into your practice um, because you just don't know how long you've got. Does anyone else yeah. have any other questions or anything they want to ask about the practice today? Mm-hmm. During the time of war, or if your country is invaded by the uh, foreign army, is it for the government you to use it on two or three security? You have to a bloodshed. And what is the time involved for the soldiers? a situation arises where there's a country and it's invaded or attacked by an invading force, an armed force, then the government arranges for the soldiers to go out and protect the country. The important thing for the soldiers is to get their intention clear in their mind, to try and see that their duty is not to go out and kill, their duty is protecting the citizens of that country so that they can carry on living their lives in peace, harmony, practicing the Buddhist teaching, is keeping the precepts developing themselves in good ways, and that's what their aim is for the country to be peaceful and happy and harmonious and if in performing that duty it means they have to use force because this invading force has weapons and they're attacking They should always keep that in the forefront of their mind, and their intention is just to protect the peace and security of that country, it's not to harm, go out to harm or attack others. Um, And at the same time, one would have to accept that if, say, there there are soldiers fighting well, there's going to be some karma made, that people have to die, they get injured. But the fruits of karma are going to be different depending on the mind state. And if the, the mind state of the soldiers is that they have that sense of duty to protect the peace, not to go out and cause trouble, harm others, but they're protecting the peace of that country, then it, the fruits of the karma in doing that will be different from someone who is just, say, out to attack, to kill, to destroy. Uh, one interesting point in that conversation Poppy was just talking about, she's worked very hard now, opened many shops, very tired, so she says she doesn't want to be born again. And Jenna says, well, that's all very well, but just wanting not to be born again isn't enough. You have to create the right causes and conditions not to be born again. And those causes, those conditions are the path, the Buddhist path of Sila, Samadhi, Panya. Which, with all those path factors, that you walk the path, you develop the path to the end of the path, and you reach a state we call the deathless, where you're neither born or die again. But you you have to do it that way. You have to do the practice, reach that point. Uh, you can't just want not to be born again. It's not good enough. What is the guarantee? The thing that's the guarantee is that our own experience in the Dhamma comes from the practice. If you start practicing, then you, uh, internally, you start to experience more happiness, more peace, more understanding. And that, you know, that's your own clear knowledge that mm, the, the practice is worth it. It brings us more happiness, more peace. It's what we call Pachatang. It's something one knows internally for oneself. So say if just on the level of dhāna, you're all here today, you've come to offer dhāna to the monks, to listen to the Dhamma like this. That's a sign that you already see the value of it. You wouldn't come if you didn't. You know, You bring somebody here who's never done it before and has no interest. They'd say, well, why do, you do? why do you do this? Why do you bring food to the monks? Why do you sit here listening to the Dhamma? They wouldn't get the point. They wouldn't realize what what the value is. But you've already been doing it. You've done it before and you do it because you know it. You get something from it. You get some happiness, some joy, some understanding which helps you and you can take back and use in your life. On the level of Sila it's the same. You could say, why do people keep Sila? somebody who's never contemplated the value of Sila living in a moral way That's a, it's not necessarily do what you want, it doesn't matter, there's no consequences but people who've practiced they practice the restraint of Sila, practice developing themselves in wholesome ways, not harming other people they know why they do it, because they feel good for it, there's a sense of happiness in the heart because you're not, you don't have any guilt or regret that you've been doing things that harm others, harm yourself So you know from practicing Sila, oh it brings you peace, brings you happiness. You practice meditation, again someone who's never meditated and doesn't see the value of it they are why do you sit down, what's the point of it, sit with your eyes closed, what do you get from that, it's a waste of time. But someone who's done it, they'll they'll know when you do that you get more mindfulness, more peace of mind, more understanding with that understanding you can let go of some of your attachments. When you let go of attachments you start to feel good, you feel br- brighter and happier because you're letting go of attachment and that's the cause of suffering is attachment. When you cling on to things you start to suffer, don't you? Because you're not accepting the truth that say, things are impermanent, they're unsatisfactory, they're not self. When, when you let go of attachment you start to feel great inner peace, um, inner clarity, happiness. And that's why you do it. The more you meditate, the more you see that and experience that, the more you want to do it. You know, oh, this works, it brings me peace. And if you keep doing that, you keep letting go of your attachments, well what are you doing? You're letting go of the causes for future birth. Little by little you get let go of your attachments to the physical world, your body, the physical possessions, the things around you. You even let go of your mental world, your own attachments, your own feelings and thoughts and things. In the end, you're just left with a state of mindfulness and wisdom. And when that's perfected, this is the state of the deathless. This is the point, point of the practice. And that point, that you reach that point, the end of the path. Well, there's no more birth, no more death, and it's the complete peace of mind and happiness. And if you've walked the path, you've experienced that. You know for yourself. Oh, it works. It's it's. Um, you, you experience for yourself, you don't have any more doubt, you don't have to ask anyone, you don't need any guarantee then, you know, Oh, it's, it, it works. There's a question about what are relics, Buddha relics, and why are they important? And Tanajana was saying the, these Buddha relics that we have left in the world today in many different temples, chedis, um, they're an expression and a an example of the great and special qualities of the Buddha, um, the question was also why can they grow in size, actually from smaller to bigger size and why do they increase in numbers sometimes, they actually seem to manifest out of thin air. Again it's the special qualities of the Buddha, it's the Barami, the goodness of the Buddha expressing itself, they can come, uh, increase in their numbers, this is something very amazing. Mm-hmm. But when you see it for yourself with your own eyes, you know something you know, yesterday you had nine relics. Today you've got twelve or something. You've seen that for yourself. You know, oh, this can happen, and it opens your mind a bit, doesn't it? You have to start opening your views and changing your views a bit if you accept, oh, can, this, these things can happen. Relics can manifest, and it, for many people, what it does is it increases your faith, doesn't it? Your confidence. Oh, the Buddha was something. Mm, unusual, a rare, a rare person indeed, their their bones still are relics and they sort of become shiny, crystallized relics. Not only that, but the amount of relics can increase as people have wor- worship, have faith, worship them and practice, they can actually increase. And so generally people find it increases their faith when they have these relics. There's another question about what, what is a Buddha footprint? Um was saying, well, Buddha footprints—they're um, made by Buddhas. There are a few genuine uh, historical Buddha footprints around. There's in Thailand. There's one in Sarapuri, a very famous one in Sri Lanka. You all know Sri Pada. It has a Buddha's footprint on top. These um, footprints around the world, uh, mostly in Asia or all in Asia. The um, Various teachers who do have uh, deep meditation and ability to know these things say, so, Yeah, this is a genuine footprint. And the purpose of a footprint is made by a Buddha as a, a mark for not just current generations in the time of the Buddha, but for future generations. It's a mark to say, Well, the Buddha did exist, he was here, and it's to pull you or encourage you to recollect the qualities of a Buddha. And you think, well, who was a Buddha, and what does a Buddha stand for? You're thinking of the qualities of the Buddha: the great compassion, the great wisdom, the great purity of the mind, the enlightenment of the Buddha, and then the, the ability to teach others the path to enlightenment. So when you have a Buddha's f- footprint, you go there. You know, you worship, you bow, you light candles, incense, maybe leave flowers there, and Again, like the relics, it increases your faith, gives you the inspiration, energy to keep practicing the teachings. Um, as you see in these places, like in Sri Lanka or in in Thailand, when people go to a footprint, you know they'll go there on pilgrimage. Maybe spend all day traveling there. They'll worship there, meditate there, come back feeling very happy, and they'll gain a lot from the experience. Finish now, a fool. <laughs> <laughs> a fool's coming fool my heart. i going now. <laughs> This is, this is the practice, isn't it? You come, you offering, offer food, you listen to the Dhamma, and you get this full feeling, full f- fullness of mind. So this is Pachatang. She knew she had it, so she, she tells you, no, I've got this full feeling. That's so how it has to be. If it's Pachatang, the only way other people will know, you have to tell them. Uh, we have a ceremony to install Buddha relics, which we now have hundreds of been offered from many different teachers and temples and we've gathered them all here and we'll put them in the head inside the head of our Buddha statue and up in the hall. The the head has a big hollow space made for that. So we'll invite Tanajan because he's visiting us, it's his last day, he'll just do that ceremony for us. One thing, that is good, even that is enough, can, is there anything more of it. That's when there is pain and suffering. Uh, uh, is there anything more to that. What do you think you this feeling of fullness is, you could say, inner peace, inner happiness, and there's different levels of it. Uh, as one practices more, one does more dana, more keeps the precepts, does more meditation, listens to the dhamma. Gains more understanding, then this inner peace, inner happiness will grow. But until one's insight is firm and one can let go of all one's attachments, uh, when one lets go of all attachment, then this feeling of fullness, you could say, reaches perfection or completion. But until that point, it's always it's it's still a bit uncertain, and it's still a condition of mind that can arise, pass away. So we get you know sometimes. We practice and we had a lot of joy but then it can slip back and we can get caught into suffering again. But when one's practiced to the point where one's established in the practice, one's practice of morality, dhāna, morality, one's meditation, one's mindfulness and one's wisdom is established in the mind, then one reaches a point where one's insight into the nature of existence is very clear, one's no longer caught into delusions about anything, one has very strong mindful awareness, and then there's no more attachments, then that sense of fullness and peace that one's developed will be sustained permanently. It won't degenerate, and this is you know, the aim of the practice. I think in a place like this, you're going to being of much faster than in because <laughs> for a man, you can look up the house, the garden, mm-hmm. the house, the wife, the children, and the dog. <laughs> <laughs> and the he says, if you're in a big boat, it'll travel slowly because it has to contain many things. If you're just a little boat, like a monk with very few possessions, few attachments, then you go very fast. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's enough for today. It's almost one o'clock. I <laughs> may happy if he suffering. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I just the stomach pain, and normally you take it, and then it goes into the food, and then it goes into the food, then it goes the the food, and You want to just gently practice turning your attention of your mind. sitting there quietly with your eyes closed. Turn your attention to the area where the pain is. Just keep being aware of the pain, and just knowing pain is like this, feels like this. You want to use the word bhuto, that's the one they use in Thai. It could be Buddha, Damasanda, or bhuto. Just recite bhuto and keep your awareness on the pain. Just keep doing that training yourself to do that. He said if if it's too much, you can still eat the, take the medicine. You don't want to you know, make it too difficult for yourself, but. Until the pain goes, just keep meditating, focusing your attention on the pain, wherever it is in the body. you to concentrate like Of the pain. Yeah, that's okay. Just find with your mind's awareness the place where the pain is worst. Just hold your attention there. Don't worry too much about techniques and things, just you can do that, you know, you find out oh, where does it feel pain. Just hold your attention there and just gently keep keeping your mind there. You build up your awareness and your patience this way. You'll find the pain there you know, it doesn't overwhelm you so much, doesn't bother you so much because you get to know it with mindfulness.